Good morning, church. As you know, this month we've been in a series called Desperately Seeking Jesus. From week to week, we've wrestled with our main question, are you desperately seeking Jesus? Uh, Last week in particular, I I left you uh, with a question to ask yourselves, what am I seeking after? I asked you to take one step to identify what you might be holding on to. What are some of the idols you might have in place of God? Now, I truly hope that you took this time, uh, the time this week to think about it. But if you didn't, that's okay. Uh, Today is another opportunity to try again. For today's story, we are going to be in Luke 7, 36 to 50. And we actually have the privilege of learning not only from one person, but two. We get to observe the lives of two people who encountered Christ, one who was desperately seeking Jesus and one who was not. In this story, there are three main characters, Jesus, of course, a Pharisee named Simon, and an unnamed woman who is characterized as a sinner. So the question for today is, which one are you? Would you turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 7, starting in verse 36, and we're just going to jump right on in. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood behind him at his feet, weeping, She began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. Now let's take a step back for a second and and set the scene. A Pharisee, later revealed to be named Simon, has invited Jesus to have dinner with him at his house. You might be thinking, why is a Pharisee doing this for Jesus? I mean, we know the reputation. The Pharisees often clashed with Jesus a lot and, and tried to trap him. Um, But this was actually not that uncommon. It was actually typical, even considered virtuous, to invite a teacher over for dinner, especially if the teacher were from out of town or had just taught in the local synagogue. And so, though the text does not say, uh, Simon's motivations for inviting Jesus may have been, you know, merely out of obligation or expectation. Uh, It could have been, maybe he did want to trap Jesus like the Pharisees often did. Or maybe it also could have been that Simon wanted to see if Jesus was really a prophet, if he really was who he said he was. Now, regardless, we don't know the exact reason. All we know is that Simon invites Jesus and Jesus accepts. Now, these dinners would uh, be accessible to the public to observe. When you had a feast with a guest rabbi, the door was always left open for the public to come. And and they would not eat, but they would stand around and, and listen to the words and wisdom and teaching that were given by the rabbi. And so let's picture the room for a second. Jesus is invited to the party. Simon's the host. People are already congregating along the walls, or maybe if they're eating outside, just around the perimeter of the courtyard, and they're observing And in the center, you've got the main guest, the invited guest, uh, eating dinner. Another notable thing about the setup is that back then, people did not sit in chairs at a dinner table. Uh, No, the customary thing was that people actually reclined uh, on cushions on their side with food being presented in front of them and their feet 
actually behind them. And so they'd just kind of be reclining like that. And so the the scripture continues by introducing another character. And, and we know that this is the unnamed woman. And the text describes her as a sinful woman. She was a, a local woman from the town and she was notorious for being a sinner. I mean, out of everything to be known for, to be defined by this was this was it for her. She was a sinner. Now, we don't know exactly what her sin was, but some say she was a, a woman of the city or a prostitute. Now, regardless of what it was, it was bad. It, it was serious, and everyone knew it. If I were her and I had that reputation, I probably would never leave my house, you know, out of shame or embarrassment. She she probably avoided crowds too, and they probably steered clear of her as well. But upon hearing that Jesus was going to be eating dinner close by, she doesn't care. She boldly comes anyway. And she starts doing the most beautiful thing. The text says she stood behind him in his presence at his feet and she begins to weep. Not just a, a single tear flowing down her cheek. Not just, you know, quiet whimpering. No, she's full on weeping and sobbing at Jesus' feet. Can you imagine it? I mean, there's a party going on. You know, small talk, chatter. The mood is probably lighthearted. People are eating. And all of a sudden, everything and everyone stops in silence at the sound and emotion of this woman's tears all eyes are on her and on Jesus. And she's crying. She's crying. And she realizes that her tears have started to form this puddle and starting to wet his feet and soak them. And, and so she gets even lower. She gets even lower and, and she takes her own hair and, and starts wiping the dirt off of Jesus' feet. She starts wiping it clean. But she doesn't stop there. Then she begins to kiss his feet unceasingly. Kiss his feet. She doesn't care how humiliating it might be. She doesn't care what people might think. No, all she cares is just honoring Jesus, kissing his feet, expressing her utmost, utmost affection for him. And then she takes the alabaster jar of perfume that she brought with her and anoints his feet with oil. This, this jar of perfume would have been expensive, worth all of her money and savings, and she just gives it all away to be poured out on the feet of Jesus. Do you see this picture? This is a picture of someone who was desperate. Nothing could contain her love and her joy and her gratitude for Jesus. Nothing could keep her from worshiping and praising him. Not her reputation, not shame, not the snickering and the judgment from the community, not her status, not her sin. No, her sole focus, her sole attention is on Jesus and Jesus alone. Church, I don't think you can fake this stuff. I don't think she's just trying to fool people with her actions or she's just putting up a front. No, her actions 
are a genuine overflow of a heart that loves Jesus. Now, when Simon sees this, he's shocked, appalled at what he sees before him. Shocked that Jesus would let such a sinful and impure woman such as this touch him. Remember, the Pharisees were the law followers. They were meticulous and fervent about being ceremonially clean. They were outwardly religious and pious. They prided themselves on separation from anything unclean or sinful. And back in the day, the belief was that if you made physical contact with anything unclean, you too would become unclean. And so they were very, very careful not to touch not even to associate with sinners so that they could keep their personal holiness from being tainted. Simon was shocked. And it says, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Now here we get a little glimpse into Simon's thoughts, his inner dialogue. It says, he says to himself. So he's not talking to Jesus or the woman or the crowds. He's simply, simply silently thinking to himself, I knew it. This confirms that this guy is no prophet. Now, why would he think this? Well, it, it was common. Uh, the prophets in the Old Testament that they would have been familiar with would have Um, this power, this clairvoyant power. For example, the prophets Elijah and Elisha, they were known for knowing people that they had never even met. So Simon's thinking, well, Jesus can't be a true prophet because if he were, he would know she was a sinner. He would know the things that she has done. And he would never allow this impure, sinful woman to touch him. But what Jesus says next shows him that he actually knows exactly what Simon is thinking. By reading his thoughts, he demonstrated that he was much more powerful than just a prophet. Simon, he says, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. All right, so Jesus goes into teacher mode here, and, and he gives Simon a parable. Two people, one owed 500 denarii and one owed 50. Back, back in those days, the denarius was described as a day's wage for a common laborer. And so um, one owed 50 days wages and the other owed 500, uh, which was about two years worth of income. Right? So two very different yet considerable amounts. Two people unable to pay back what they owed. And the moneylender, out of his compassion and mercy, He just forgives them both, cancels both their debts. He forgives them, gives them a completely clean slate, no strings attached. 
No need to pay it back over time. No way to earn it or work for it. Just forgiveness. And Jesus asked him, which of them will love him more? And Simon, he gets it right. Right? He rightly replies, the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. Now, at this point, we probably know where Jesus is going with this, right? But Simon doesn't put two and two together yet. And so, just like the rich young ruler last week, Jesus continues and proceeds to explain it. Now, Jesus turns to the woman and gives her his full attention while speaking uh, to Simon. He says, do you see this woman? Yeah, Simon probably physically saw the woman. He knew that she was in the room, knew that she was a sinner, right? But I, I think Jesus meant something more here. He's asking, do you see her? Do you see her heart? Do you see what she has done? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Three times Jesus exposes Simon's sin. He exposes the common courtesy that Simon doesn't even have for his guest of honor. You see, there was a common Courtesy, common hospitality in those days when people were invited to your house to provide a basin of water to wash their feet. Because typically, you know, people wore sandals and the roads were dusty and unpaved and dirty. And so you would typically wash your feet before entering a house. A holy kiss on the cheek and oil for the head as a symbol of respect for the guest. And Jesus says, Simon, you failed to do any of that. You didn't give me a water or a towel for my feet, but this woman has washed my feet with her tears and dried them with her own hair. Simon, isn't it common, a typical greeting of respect to welcome one another with a holy kiss on the cheek? Simon, you didn't, you didn't kiss me. But this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. When I came in, Simon, you didn't anoint my head with oil, but this woman anointed me and poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. What Jesus is doing is revealing the condition of Simon's heart versus the woman's heart. Who was this woman? Why was she so devoted? Why was she so passionate? Why did she come to this house even though she probably knew that she would be judged? She came simply for Jesus. She came to see him. She came to worship him, to praise him, to adore him and honor him and ultimately to serve him. At some point before this evening, this woman probably encountered Jesus and experienced his forgiveness, his acceptance. At some point she had been exposed to his teaching, 
his grace and his love and was touched by his compassion. And she was compelled, driven by full devotion because of the love and forgiveness she had received. And she poured it all out. She poured out everything. She was desperately seeking Jesus with everything that she had. Now, on the other hand, Simon also revealed the condition of his heart. That there was no devotion, no love, no submission. There was no worship or affection. Why? Jesus says it in verse 47. Whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Whoever has been forgiven little loves little. The difference between Simon and this woman is awareness. It's awareness. She knows that she is a sinner. She knows that she's messed up and and fallen short and in desperate need for a savior. She knows that she has been forgiven much. Therefore, she loves much. Therefore, she pours out her heart to Jesus in worship and her life like a fragrant offering, holy and pleasing to God. But Simon, Simon, Simon has no idea. He has no clue. Just like the rich young ruler from last week, he too thought he was good. He was a Pharisee. He followed all the rules. He kept the commandments. He obeyed the law meticulously. He didn't think that he was sinful at all. Simon was forgiven little. Therefore, he loved little. The one who has been forgiven much loves much, but the one who has been forgiven little loves little. Are you like Simon or are you like the woman? See, church, it's it's not about the amount of sin. It's about the awareness of the sin. Simon doesn't realize it, but in actuality, he is just as much of a sinner as this woman. He is just as big of a debt as she does. He just wasn't aware of it. When you really think about it, in God's economy, there is no such thing as big or little debtors. We like to think so. We like to attribute more weight or more severity to certain sins, right? While excusing or brushing off the other ones is not so bad. Murder, adultery, divorce, those are the worst But telling a lie, gossiping, cursing, not so bad, right? We we do this all the time. We do this all the time with people just like Simon. We categorize people into sinners and the worst sinners. Sinners and the really, really bad ones, the hopeless ones, right? But no, not... Not according to God's perspective. Not according to him. By his standard, we are all big debtors. Each one of us, the one who owed 500. Each one unworthy, sinful, broken, and deserving of death. And yet, each one loved by God. Each one offered the free gift of forgiveness. We are all big debtors, the only difference is awareness and acknowledgement. 
only when we become aware of our debt and only after we accept the total and complete forgiveness that Jesus offers are we able to come to him desperately like this woman. The question is, how aware are you? If you're not aware of much at all, then your love for Jesus will be small. But if you are aware of your sin, if you are aware of your depravity, if you are aware of your debt, then the gospel becomes that much more precious. The gospel becomes that much more meaningful. And your love and worship and desperation for Jesus will be big for the one who has been forgiven much, loves much. Through her actions, we see a person who has experienced the overwhelming gift of forgiveness and is now overflowing with love and worship for Jesus. She becomes a full-on worshiper. As a worship leader myself, I'm I'm constantly asking the question, you know, what does it mean to worship God? What does it look like? Somewhere along the way, unfortunately, I feel like we've mistakenly placed worship into this tiny little box. When people ask me what I do for the church and I say I'm the worship director, every single time, without fail, they say, oh yeah, you just do all the music stuff, right? The truth is, worship is not just music or singing, though that can be part of it. Worship is not just the three songs we sing before the sermon and the two that come after. It's not an activity only reserved for Sunday mornings in this building. It's not something you do when you feel like it. It's so much more. Remember Romans 12, Paul says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do you hear that? In view of God's mercy, as a response to his grace and forgiveness, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Your whole bodies, your whole lives, every part of it, offer it as a sacrifice of worship to God. It's the forgiveness that leads to the love. It's the mercy of God that leads to the worship. That's what desperately seeking Jesus looks like. That's what being all in for him looks like. That's what being a worshiper with your whole life looks like. And this woman gets it. She understood. She loves much because she knows she has been forgiven much. And what she did was not a small thing. No, it was an extravagant act of worship from a woman who experienced extravagant grace for the forgiveness of her sins. And now there is no going back. There is nothing else deserving of her affection. No one more worthy of her devotion. None but Jesus. Friends, how much have you been forgiven how much have you been forgiven I look at this woman who was maybe so far deep into a lifestyle of sin that change would have been hard and yet she still chooses it 
She chose to receive the forgiveness and turn from her ways. She chose the better portion. And I just, I wonder if the rich young ruler from last week could have ended up like her. Remember, last week we we heard a story of a man who was desperately seeking life. He was so desperate that he ran to Jesus asking what he could do to inherit eternal life. And and Jesus gives him the life-saving solution. But he could not let go of the idols of his heart to make room for Jesus. He just couldn't do it. And he walked away sad. If only... He would have repented from his idols. If only he had turned away from his sin, he would have been like this woman. He would have received a treasure worthy of his worship. He would have experienced the abundance of life with Jesus. But instead, it's not him. It's not Simon the Pharisee. It's this woman. This woman's life that becomes one of the most beautiful expressions of true worship and love for Jesus. Why? Because the one who has been forgiven much loves much. When Jesus finishes talking to Simon, he says to the woman, your sins are forgiven. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Church, as we close, I want to leave you with this question. And I ask you to, again, be honest with yourselves. Who are you more like? Who are you more like? The sinful woman who understood the severity of her debt, who was aware of her sin and in desperate need for a savior, who poured out her love and worship to Jesus? Or Simon, who was unwilling to allow Jesus to change the way he saw people And himself, Simon, who missed the opportunity to repent and be forgiven. Who are you more like? And who do you want to be? If your answer was Simon, you're more like Simon than the woman, but you want to be like this woman, it's possible. It's possible. And I invite you to come to Jesus today. Don't walk away sad. Don't stay in the pit. Come to him. It's the same as last week when Jesus says, repent and believe in me. Repent, change your mind. Turn from whatever is keeping you from me. Turn from whatever is keeping you from this fire, this passion and love for Jesus. What is it? What are you seeking? What's keeping you? Is it fear, distractions, idols of the heart, sin, pride? What is it? Jesus says, just repent, cry out to him, pray to him, God, show me how much I've been forgiven. Show me the depth of your love for me. Show me, Lord, my my love for you, my passion for you is dwindling. It's, It's not what it used to be. I've gotten complacent. I've gotten distracted. God, Help to restore the fire in me so that, like this woman, I would worship you with all that I have. That I would come at your feet and pour out my life to you. Lord, help me. And church, I I truly, I truly believe if you come to him in genuine repentance, he is faithful to answer you. 
He is faithful to forgive you. Now, if you are here and you have never even heard of the forgiveness of Jesus, I want to tell you that there is hope and good news for you today. You remember in week one, Pastor Calvin began our series by reminding us that our church is supposed to be like an emergency room, like a, like a hospital for the sick, for the desperate. Not a museum filled with perfect people, not a display of the healthy who don't need saving. No, this space, this place, in the presence of Jesus is meant to be a refuge for those who are spiritually sick, for those who have great debts that we cannot pay, who can't do a single thing to work or earn our way into the kingdom of God, to come and experience the overwhelming forgiveness and grace of Jesus Christ that is available to you today. For the Bible says, though you were dead in your transgressions and sins, by nature deserving of wrath, because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Church, there is no sin too great. There is no one that is too far gone. There is nothing that you have done that is too bad or too big or too awful that Jesus cannot forgive. So come and receive the free gift of forgiveness that Jesus bought for you. Repent and believe in the good news of the gospel. Ask him to forgive you, cleanse you, make you new. And in view of his great mercy, give your life as a fragrant offering of worship to him for what he has done. For the one who has been forgiven much, loves much. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for the gift of forgiveness that you have given us. Thank you that your grace restores us, that there is no sin too great that cannot be forgiven and redeemed by you, Lord. God, help us to be like this woman, so overwhelmed by your mercy that she just pours out her life as a living sacrifice of worship to you, so captivated by your grace that she gives every part of herself to you. Help us to be like her. Help us to desperately seek after you and you alone. We love you so much, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.